Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And just a reminder, our home base is wedontdie.com, where you can always find medium classes. You can find our free inspirational Sunday service called the Sunday Gathering, now going into our fourth year, completely free very inspiring and empowering with a medium demonstration in each and every one. Also, I just started a new Patreon club. And for any donation, even for a dollar, you can get early bird episodes of all the shows. You also get a list of now my 550 plus hours of interviews. You can search for your favorite topics. You can click right on it just as a way to say thank you. And also a copy of my book is included with that as well. That's all at wedontdie.com. Our guest today is Bill Letson, a retired fire captain and forester of over 35 years. In 1994, Bill had a profound near-death experience as a result of an illness related to his work as a firefighter. He's been a frequent presenter at the International Association for Near-Death Studies and has put together some comprehensive material for an upcoming book on NDEs. Today, he'll tell us about his trip through the afterlife and the amazing truths that he was shown about life and death. Bill, welcome, my new friend, to We Don't Die Radio. Hi, Sandra. Thanks for having me. It's quite an honor. Oh, it's super nice to be with you. I know I was talking to you just a few minutes before we began, and I've watched you on YouTube, and you're somebody who is making a difference. So I'm so grateful that you can share with our listeners and viewers today. So tell us a little bit about you. I know where you live, but share with our people because your story and all the critters are sounds great. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um... I live here on the central coast in California, uh, halfway between LA and San Francisco. Uh, it's very rural. We're on uh, several acres and we have ponds and streams that kind of surround the house. And um, it's absolute paradise. Uh, we got lots of animals. You'll see them walking around in the background uh, now and again. And uh, hopefully they'll behave themselves during this. And um so yeah, it's uh yeah, that's me. I'm retired. Um super happy and uh I really am very um proud of what you just said that uh, it's making a difference because um people like me, you know, the the people on your show, um we have better things to do and this we're not looking for attention or anything. It's like you've been tapped on the shoulder and kind of nudged and sometimes nudged pretty hard to um, step forward and it's time. And um, we, we're, this is really exciting times. And what you're doing is, is incredibly divine in nature. I know that's hard to believe, but it's true. Well, we're wrapping arm in arm. I'm not doing it alone. It is just sharing great people with great stories and, they make a difference. Yeah, I didn't expect to be on this path. No way. <laughs> and I'm sure you didn't either. No. Here we are. And I think that's why it makes our people listen to our voices and our stories because we're just normal people with some extraordinary things to share. So Bill, tell us what happened. Go back in time and maybe 
if you had any beliefs in the afterlife before or not. And then, yeah, if you wouldn't mind telling us your story. Um, yeah, I was, uh, my story was in 1994. I was working and, <clears throat> and before that you, you said something about, um, my spiritual beliefs in the past and I was raised Catholic and, you know, I was good at it. I did everything, but it was an empty building. Uh, every Sunday, it was very obvious it was empty. And, um, and so I, you know, I was, worked for the forest service for many years and I found that very spiritual to be out in nature. Uh, and so, you know, I'd be stationed in some really remote location and I just loved it, you know, near some lake or a fire station or a, a hella, hella base somewhere in the Sierras. And I just loved it. That was my religion. You know, we'd get off work, we'd run through the forest, we'd run trails and, um, and you'd get filled up with that divine presence that's in those natural still places. Uh, so that was good enough for me. And uh, I tried every time I had a new friend that wanted me to go to some meeting or something, I'd give it a try, but um, it, it didn't, it wasn't for me. Um, I don't know, a lot of production and it's not necessary. So, uh, Let's see what else. Okay, so yeah, in '94, uh, you know, I started with the fire department in the '70s, and um, by the time it got into the '90s, I had promoted a couple of times, and I was driving a fire engine, working at Station Eleven in Santa Barbara, and there was a flu uh, season. It was a stout one, and um, a lot of people were sick, and they came every three or four years. You'd have a strong flu bug, and we ran a call on this lady and went to her um, apartment and we had to break in. We found her in the back and she was really, really, really ill. And we kind of sprung into action and I slid across the bed with the oxygen and was going to get him trying to get a mask on her. And she realized there was firemen all around her and she let out this big sigh of relief because um, she'd been hurting for a couple of days. And I was taking a breath in as I was over her taking a breath in as she did that. And I felt her warm breath go right into my lungs. And um, you know, I looked at the guys like, oh, man, that did it for sure. And they were like, yep, probably. And, you know, we got her to the hospital and she turned out great. Um, but we went on days off. And within a couple of days, I was super ill, um, super dehydrated, uh, really high temperature. Um I couldn't get a pulse at my wrist, so I knew my blood pressure was, I wasn't going to be conscious much longer once you get below 80 in 70s uh, with a systolic. And my heart rate was just racing, trying to make up for the lack of um, perfusion. And I called uh, my sister for some help, and um, the fire department came and picked me up off the floor and gave me some IVs and got me to an ambulance to a hospital. And when we got into the emergency room, there was a lot of people there and they were pretty overloaded and they were trying to just stay ahead of the flow. And so they were giving everybody something to, um, to you know, to help uh, kind of a, a generic thing across everybody. And I got this, um, this synthetic morphine stuff and this um, anti-nausea drug and you know i was 
my blood pressure was really super low. I was feeling better because I had a couple of IVs, but there was still a problem. And, you know, those opiates, they, what they do is they phasodilate your system. They open it wide open. And so when that, my system opened up, the volume, you know, relative volume dropped and I had no blood, you know, going to my brain and I just keeled over. It was almost instant. And my wife was there and she said that really freaked them out. And uh, they came in with um, Narcan and uh, she started writing things down and they Narcan me three times and got me in a, you know, started more IVs, got, got me in a head down um, situation and got me up to um, intensive care. And she said they couldn't get a blood pressure. It was 40 over zero was the best they saw. And, you know, I was a big triathlete at the time. Uh, I did Ironmans and stuff. So in the morning, they, you know, when, when everything sort of got back to normal, they said that probably um, saved your life, that you had this system that could, you know, function with such a stress. So um, I, you know, I, it was three thirty in the morning, and I just keeled over, and I didn't, I wasn't, wasn't conscious of any of those things I just said. But sometime during the night, my, um, you know, up in, um, as I believe it, up in intensive care, I left my body, and there's no doubt about that. When uh, a person goes through that, uh, it's not your imagination or a dream or you have, you know, Elvis has left the building and the building is sitting in a bed, you know, uh, back in the hospital and you're gone. And I was this huge uh, expanded cloud. I was this huge, amazing, euphoric balloon. Like I went on forever. And I was flying through this, just this field of stars. And that's all I could call them for years. They were these colored balls, these orbs, and they all had different colors and, you know, sound coming from them, uh, vibration, and they were all around and they were super happy uh, to see me. And they were like, uh, it was like a welcoming. It was like I was being paraded through them and they were all showering me with, uh, you know, with a greeting and a vibration. and. As I was, as I was traveling through this star-filled realm, I was like thinking to myself, "How in the world did I forget who I really was?" I mean, I was absolutely me. You know that voice we have in our head, that guy that's talking to us all day about what you know what our plan for the day is going to be and what we like and what we dislike. And I was that guy was absolutely intact. It was a seamless transition, but I was somewhere else and I was something else, something infinite. And I still had my sense of humor. I still, the voice was still the same. Um, you know, your listeners should understand that, that it is almost a seamless transition back to the other side, back to home. And there's nothing to worry about. It's a, uh, it's it's remarkable how much we are uh, in this you know this testing ground this hologram this simulation and that emotions are everything 
Um, that is the universe is feelings and emotions. And back home, none of the low vibrational things are there. They just, they just weren't. And, um, you know, everything that I thought about Bill Letson, and I knew full well that I had been pretending to be this dude. And this guy had all his ideas about how things should be, what his dislikes were, what his likes were, um, you know, with how the future is going to play out. And all, all that stuff was just gone. It was like it was a, I was playing dress up or something. Uh, I was playing a role. And, and the suit that I was in, it was like, I, it felt like I'd been released from a hot, stuffy closet. And I'd been cooped up in there. And I was this huge, expanded balloon, this cloud. And I was absolutely euphoric. Uh, it, it felt like honey was running through my brain and down every nerve. And it was just a standing wave of ecstasy. Um, that's how good it felt. And, you know, this words like nirvana and things like that, that, that is, that's what we have to look forward to. It's just, let's just say that's where we come from and we come here to be tested to to be tested in those low vibrational emotions that collectively we call fear you know things like anxiety and anger and jealousy and there's a big long list of them but they they stay here and they don't exist where we come from and we come in here to take a ride in the spook house with those emotions and to see what we learn from them uh, and it's all, it's like a game or a trick that we're playing on ourselves um, to see how much we can grow, how much the quality of our core soul, uh, whatever we call it, how much that can grow. And so, yeah, I was flying through this and, and I loved it. And, you know, this thing about Akashic Records, I was seeing all of these uh, like pages you know, like you, like you spin a microfish and you see pages of information like um, formulas and diagrams, lots and lots of math stuff. And that I, that's, you know, the Akashic Records is available to everyone and it's right there as we cross over. You're reconnected with it and you don't have any questions. And that, that's what people are. You know, they talk about that, that they had no questions and they were filled with knowledge and they couldn't bring any of it back. And that's all by design. So I was flying along and I was just absolutely stoked. Uh, there was no way I was ever going back. That was, you know, I couldn't believe it. And and then all of a sudden, it's like I changed dimensions and I went into something uh, that was a little more dense and I found myself in a place that was solid. It was like a facility or a clinic. And there was equipment there. There was indirect lighting and there were tables and beds. And it looked just like some sort of institution where things were done 
And right in front of me were these three short little hooded guys in these dark robes. And they were overjoyed to see me. They were bouncing around and giggling. And I was trying to get sorted out there because it was very surprising. All of a sudden, I just like popped into this place. And they were looking at me and they were asking me questions like, how was it? What did you learn? What can you tell us? And uh, they were giggling back and forth and bumping into each other. And one of them stepped forward and he took a long look at me. And then he turned to the others and he said, he doesn't remember us. And they all started giggling. And I was like, well, guys, I kind of remember something, but, you know, uh, let me sort this out. I'm I'm not sure. And, uh, you know, they giggled uproariously. And then there was this other guy, and he was in the background at first. And I've described him in so many different ways, but he was like this tall, wispy guy. And he was like this spinning energy, like if you took a glass of water and spun it and then looked at the side at that spinning vortex. He was like this spinning vortex guy. And I've called him a trimmed down Gumby and a walking stick in- insect. And but he, he, it was like I, I was looking at somebody underwater and this spinning vortex, it was all these different vortexes connected. And when he moved, they kind of separated. The top would move for, uh, first and then the bottom would catch up. And um, I got this, I got this water thing. I do this structured water thing, which, and I have it sitting out on the, in the sun and it's a big glass thing and I spin it. And that vortex that creates, you know, it comes and goes and it, it looks exactly like that. Um, uh, So, and he was really cool. He had this humongous smile uh, from ear to ear, almost like it was too big for his body. And uh, he had these bright eyes and he came forward and you could tell he was chuckling and I was looking at him like, well, who's this guy? And um, as he got closer, he, the, the love that was coming off of this being was so powerful that I felt my chest just expanding. Like, you know, like you're watching a movie with a, the dog is reunited with the child and my throat got tight and my, and I'm like, I'm going to fall down on my knees and cry uncontrollably. That's what it felt like I should do Um, because it was of love. Uh, You know, like this is why I never never really knew this, but this is why women, you know, are crying at weddings when the youngsters are getting married and from love, you know, and the guys are all sitting there going, what's the story? But you know, the feminine energy is more connected to that creation, to that emotion of love. Um, so, uh, yeah, he came He came forward and there was some back and forth. Every time I said something or said, said something, I guess that's the best we can say. It, the, people get hung up on this. You didn't have a mouth or you don't have eyes. And it's like, no, you don't. But, but you don't know that most people don't even realize they've crossed over. If you listen to these NDEs, a lot of them, you know, it's well into it 
it, everything was perfectly normal. Um, so he's, he, um, so I said a few things and he chuckled at everything and I could feel his chuckle, his laugh. I could feel it was inside of me. It was a part of me. And I got the intent, the, the impression that that was like a father and a child. And he loved his child uh, immensely and unconditionally. And we're connected to that father figure. We have lots of names for it. Humanities tried to explain it. But a higher version of us or uh, a greater um, being, I don't know. Um, but it's a it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. And. And so he, as, at one point I said, you know, there was there wasn't much going on. It wasn't very organized at all. The the three little guys were uh, entertaining themselves and bop, bopping around and giggling. And then the tall wispy guy was uh, he was watching them and he was watching me and he was just chuckling and everything was absolutely cool. Um, that's the vibe over there, you know. There's I like it. I like it. <laughs> it's a it's a good it's a good gig. And um, so at one point I said, well, you know, I'm not going back where I was. And eventually I, I got to move away, you know, move on from this place. And, uh, you know, I had already experienced that heavenly realm, those orbs, those stars. And the impression was that was a limitless dimension. There were, there was nothing you couldn't do or be um, for as long as you wanted to do and be it. Um, so I was ready to, uh, you know, check out of the facility as soon as they'd let me. And so I, I told him, well, I'm not going back there uh, to Earth. That's for sure. That's never going to happen. Uh, so, you know, I, I understand there's this review process. You, you guys want to uh, want to get through that and uh, so I can get going. And he, he just cracked up. He started laughing and he said, sure, let's do that. How do you want to start? And I thought that it was funny that. Uh, it came from me, um, but I realized I've realized since I wasn't staying, um, I was getting a um, round trip. You know, this heavenly realm, this in between realm, this earthly realm, and even this other place realm that we don't really want to talk about. Um, we'll get to that. But I was I was getting this fantastic uh, tour. And 30 years later, I was supposed to start talking to it, talking about it with people like you who've, you know, been uh, sort of tapped on the shoulder to start talking to people like me. Um, and that that's what's going on. It's very spiritual. Uh, it's almost incredibly uh, divine to watch it unfold, um, especially the last year. Because, uh, you know, 10 years ago, well, since 94, I struggled with it, but I learned to put it away. And then in um, 2010, it, re- it came back. And then in 2013, 14, some really phenomenal things happened. And ever since then, I've been um, sort of, man, people, people should really understand what they are, what they actually are, because 
they seem to be so unhappy and there's no reason for it. Um, so anyway, he, um, I, I, I said, uh, a few things. He was back to talking with the, uh, tall wispy guy. And I, I told a few stories, you know, um, about uh, different things and he just, nobody was really paying attention. They didn't care what I had to say. They were just humoring me. And then he finally goes, okay, that's enough. Time to go back. And it's like he was picking up a toddler, you know, and saying, we're going to leave grandma's. You're going home. And and I'm like, time to go back? (laughs) What? And he says, yeah, you got to go back. And, uh, you know, I did the thing where... I told him I was almost 40 and there's no reason to go back. And, and I told him a few other things like, you know, I only had, I had lots of friends, but it was only my parents and my wife would be the only ones that would be fairly uh, seriously impacted by my demise. And, but I told him they'll get over it. They're strong people. And uh, he thought those were all good, funny, uh, you know, cases for me to plea, to plead. And, and then he goes, no, you're going back, man. And he came forward and the place just started breaking up. Uh, just like I was being beamed out of there, like uh, Star Trek, you know, the transporter. It, it's like everything just started dematerializing. Um, and I dropped away into darkness. And, and when I say dropped, it was a drop in frequency. It, I was moving at a a slower, um, lower, heavier uh, vibration. And that was really, that was really clear that that, and it's a a lot of people say descended, you know, we descend into, into um, the material world and things like that. And it's a slowing down of the energetic beings that we really are. Um. So yeah, I dropped away into darkness and uh, I was somewhere near my body. And however it was that all that, you know, that we possess the energy that we create here with our, um, with our thoughts, you know, we care, we all carry trauma and, and drama. And these are energetic entities or beings or their energy that sticks to us. And as I went through that or uh, or it was this the heaviness of this realm but it was someplace you didn't want to be it was lonely and it was dismal and it was heavy and you absolutely didn't want to be there and then I woke up again in my body and I noticed there was this whole thing where I was watching the um equipment that I was hooked up to I was watching the readouts and I saw it climb over the next few hours. And I and I realized my pressure was back and a lot of my vital signs looked good on those. And so I sort of sat up and the uh, intensive care nurse walked by and she'd been walking, you know, they keep an eye on you. And she's like, you're awake. And uh, I was sitting up looking around and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm awake. I need to talk to you. And, uh, and she goes, well, I gotta go. I gotta go tell the doctor. We didn't know what had happened to you, or 
where this was going or, you know, I, we didn't, we didn't know what was going on. And I said, yeah, that's cool. You can go call, talk to the doctor. And, but first, what am I doing back here? You know, I was, I was pissed. And I said, I was home. I made it out of here. I was safely home. And I was with my best friends that I'd known forever. And how is it that I got back here? I had bought the farm. I was absolutely convinced of it. And she was one of these gum-chewing old nurses, you know. And she said, honey, you were in escrow. But you fell out of escrow. Sort of that bought the farm, uh, right? you know, yeah. thing I said. So it's a good joke. And uh, she said, you fell out of escrow and now you're back with us. And you need to get your head around that. And, um, you know, so I've talked to other NDEers and that was a really good thing that she did because it was an immediate grounding. And I remembered her words. You know, you listen to those old nurses, you always do. Yeah. And and uh, I, I listened to her words and they echoed in my ears and a lot of ND ears, you know, they have this uh, this separation from the divine energy that we are. That is incredibly traumatic. And it's really you don't even you don't want to be here uh, when you're pulled away from that. That's why babies cry when they first come out, I think, is they're in this realization that, oh, crap. Yeah. I'm back here. And um, so anyway, uh, she was really cool. And I kept that in mind. And, you know, I when I got, as soon as the doctor came by, I was just like, blah, 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 where I was and who I saw and details about everything. And everyone was looking at me pretty funny. Um, uh, but I didn't care. I figured this is, you, this is something people need to know. This is, it's these other places are as real as here, even more so, um, because we're so connected to everything. Um, and if you, uh, I spent a week on the couch or something, things got stabilized. Then I got back to work, and you know the guys started approaching me and saying, "Hey, we heard you had this wild thing. You know what?" And I didn't hold back. I told everybody everything, every detail, and uh, you know, after a couple of weeks. The, guys in the office the chiefs are like hey dude you know you need to zip it and and you know i did i dummied up for um about 15 years and that was that was okay because uh it was it was my personal thing i, I didn't need to you know fix the world and at the time i didn't see the the need to and and i just you know eckert tolley books were good um, the woman who wrote my stroke of insight, she obviously Jill experienced, right? Right. Yeah. Right. If you get a chance to watch her Ted talks that last seven or eight minutes, I cry every time because she obviously went to the same place and, uh, she nails it and it, her heart's in it. You can tell. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's really, uh, hard to come back here i'm not sure where i wasn't oh yeah they told me to um not talk about it and I, I it was okay and in 2010 i retired and i was just a happy retiree 
I was at the bike club and I got my swim buddies and I was playing in a couple of bands. It's an interesting thing. After my NDE, I I started hearing this counting all the time. And it was in groups of four and the four is stacked and it was music. And music was, you know, music is mathematics. And I bought some drums, you know, a few years later. And my wife's like, what is wrong with you? I said, I think I can play these. Uh, you know, uh, music just seems really easy. And she's like, well, what, what then? You, you going to get in a band? I'm like, yeah, get in a band. And, and she goes, are we going to play gigs? I said, yeah, play some gigs. And, <laughs> and it's funny because, you know, in a few months, I could play nearly any song. And, and then I was in some bands and then some uh, really professional guys were in a studio one day and they said, hey, we want you in our band. And I'm like, and you don't understand. I'm just this retired, you know, this old guy that I've never had a lesson. And they said, um, whatever it is that, you know, nails down that foundation of songs, whatever it is, the timing thing, the the groove, whatever, whatever it is, you have it. And uh, we went on, We you know, we played the state fair and, you know, thousand people in the audience and my wife she was she just shake her head she just goes I can't believe you <laughs> can I tell you something a couple episodes ago I interviewed Dr. Raymond Moody and Paul Perry about their new book Proof of Life After Life and one of the things they talked about and I had never heard of that before was some people with near death experiences having that musical whatever ability that they come back with. So Dr. Moody told a story of some doctors that had it. And it's the last thing they thought, you know, one's like a concert pianist and right. Like, right. Where did that come from? So I just wanted to share that. Cause that's wow. Yeah, it was, it was cool. And, and my friends would say how you're, st- you're sitting there like an octopus. Everything's doing a, every limb is doing something different and you're just like talking to us. And I'm like, guys, it's just really easy. You you see it in levels and you just let the levels do their thing. Um, Pretty cool, Bill. (laughs) Yeah, it was fun. It was, it was really neat. And the most interesting thing was like one of the, you know, guitar guys are the, usually the talent in the, in a band and they'll say, uh, they'd come in and they'd say, Hey, I wrote this song the other night and uh, I'll get a recording of it so that you can work on it. And uh, I go, oh, just go for it. And, you know, lay it down. And they'd start playing it. And I come in with the drums. And long as we kept eye contact, the, the, I knew when he needed to fill. I knew when there was a tempo break. I knew when there was a bridge. And he'd get done and he'd like, how did you do that? I said, I don't know. It's just there. And... So yeah, music's cool. Yeah. We we are music, you know, we are this creative flow. Uh we're music and art and dance and that's what we come from. That's so great. Where does the story go? Because at that point you still weren't open like you are now. Was there a kind of a knock on you somewhere? Like, hey guy, you know, it's time for you to talk about this. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was 2010. I retired, and I, hey, I got off on that whole 
fan thing, but oh, I love um, it. Love your stories. Keep them coming. But I was <laughs> okay. But I was a I was a happy retiree. I mean, I'm like this is awesome. I'm gonna do this the rest of my life. And then all of a sudden, I kept this thing going to Costa Rica. It just became like an obsession. And it was, you know, my parents were upset with it. My wife was upset with it. And I would just go down there and I would drive around um, looking for something. And I kept getting, you know, I pretty soon I was on the dirt roads and then I was on the trails and I was getting further and further away from, you know, our, our technological world. And I ended up with shamans and uh, this village in Costa Rica it's called Pachamama. It's, um, you know, really, they, they spend weeks in silence and every, they silence every night. And there's a, it's a spiritual community, uh, but they're awesome, awesome people. It, it, you can go there and take their classes. And um, so, yeah, I would go every chance I could get away without uh, ending up in divorce. Or um, I would get on a plane and fly down there, rent a car and drive around the Guanacaste um, Peninsula and and Pachamama was um, the area around Nasara and Pachamama. That was, there was a lot of spirituality there. And the shamans are, are pulled there. It's a blue zone, which makes perfect sense. Um, you've heard of these blue zones. There's like five in the world Mm-mm. that they're super connected to the earth in its natural um, rhythm. And that's why the people that are there are uh, so different. So yeah, it's a blue zone. And after a while, and, you know, I drank ayahuasca a few times. Uh, I never got too crazy. I do not recommend that for anybody. Um, and I, we'll, I, hopefully we'll have time. I'll, I can talk about that. But um, yeah, ayahuasca is a, a DMT, which is mimicking what happens in the near-death experience. So it's a forced near-death. It's a, it's a, if you're ready for it, it's a forced astral travel. And most people aren't ready for that because it's, it's you know, the energies that are all here in this earth plane are just as devastating as the um, enlightened plane is, you know, glorious, and uh, suddenly you find yourself in those realms. Yeah, I've and, heard some not so nice stories from those experiences. Very vivid, very clear. Right, but not like the near death experience, feeling the unconditional love and joy, and those beings laughing and loving you, and all that stuff. Yeah, the 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 near death experience I think is an invitation, and when you have uh, the quality of your soul has reached a certain l- limit or level, then the other side says, "Okay, send him an invite, and you can uh, RSVP or you can go on your merry way and and ignore it, but you'll get another invite." and um, yeah, the near-death experience is, hey, check this out. What do you think? You want to look further? And um, that's what I don't even know if most indie ears understand that, that it's an invitation to look further at to what you actually are, that you are this eternal, infinite being 
um, and that the human the human being is a temporary sort of avatar, um, sort of a puppet. Um, that you have wonderful adventures, uh, a divine gift. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't recommend the the um, DMT thing, and you know a lot of kids they smoke that DMT or, or they they do a heavy dose of it. And any human being, if you give it the right dose, um, you will pop out, and you'll see things like I saw, and you'll never be the same because you know if you if you delve into that realm with fear then that realm becomes fear uh, it becomes fearful and i think that's what happens to a lot of people and the, the australian government did a um, um survey on people who drank ayahuasca and 98 percent never went back and didn't recommend it to anybody else so it's it's not in um you know the divine plan the, exactly. the divine the di exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the divine plan is that we question what, who we really are and we sit in nature and with stillness and silence and we let go. We let go of the material realm and the uh, divine realm just comes flooding in. Mm -hmm. And that's what we can, all of us can do it just by sitting still. You don't need instruction. You don't need sitting still in nature and letting go. So, uh, yeah. I just wanted to go ask ahead. you, how, how clear was the your near-death experience? Is it something like you're telling the story right now and it, it's like it happened yesterday that you can see those little guys and yeah, all that? Yeah. That's something in common, as you know, uh, that they're so clear, even if they happened years and years and years ago, clearer than any other memory. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I can see their smiles. I can see the little uh, sort of playful look in the little guy's eyes. You know, they're like little elves. And they're yeah, they're sweethearts. They're yeah. sweethearts. And and the big guy, you know, he was just like this spinning mass that came around me, and um, just this huge smile. Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't know how much <laughs> how much time we have, but you, you're you like oh, it's just you and me. Okay, so, um, yeah, the what I something that I like to say is that that a lot of our um, media, our um, culture, is the answers to the big questions are there if you're ready to see them. You know, people talk about the Matrix, and they talk about. Uh, um, you know, the um, one of my favorites is a Groundhog Day where Bill Murray is kind of an a-hole. And then he learns to be kind and compassionate and put others first. And he gets to leave the town. And, you know, that's kind of our thing. We're here with these lives. Every day, every Groundhog Day he has is, a sim is similar to every life that we have here. And we are learning to raise the quality of our core and then we get to move on um that is those messages are everywhere and we've been talking about my near-death experience and my, 
I just came across this recently, but you know, Dorothy, uh, she goes up in this spinning vortex and the window comes off and hits her in the head. And, uh, you know, she peels away from her body and, uh, she goes from this black and white, uh, kind of stark world and the door opens and there's these huge colorful flowers and all these things. People talk about how vibrant the grass is and how colorful and, and she walks into there and then she, there's these giggling little, uh, fellows, you know, they're in the, they're hiding at first, but they come at her in groups of three, these playful little giggling, That's right. you know, the lollipop guild and the dancing girls, they come in groups of three. And then there's this tall, wispy, uh, angelic, uh, Linda arrives as an orb. You know, that's the kind of balls that I was flying through. Uh, she flies in as a, an orb and kind of puts her, sends her on her way. She's, you know, she's lighthearted about it, but she's in charge. And every time uh, Dorothy has trouble, you know, Linda shows up, uh, you know, this higher self shows up, you know, and corrects things, you know, uh, uh, as they're. So it's. It's right there, you know. That's if you can, if you're ready for it. But if it's you're ready for it, yeah, yeah. And and you know that that movie Communion, that's uh, a horror movie supposedly. But Christopher Christopher Walken, he's finds himself in with these little hooded guys, and they looked exactly like what I saw. And. You know, Christopher Walken, as the movie progresses, at first he's fearful and uh, he sees him several times, you know, this sort of alien abduction inference. And then he's not, he kind of goes at it kind of uh, nonchalant and kind of confident. And he's in the room with them and he's high-fiving them and he's, they're laughing and they're bouncing around exactly what I saw. And uh, there's this tall, wispy guy that's in the background that's also in that um, environment that Christopher Walken's in. And at the end of that movie, it's really cool. The, the two, the Christopher Walken and his the lady who plays his wife, they're like talking to the audience. And she says something about um, don't look at it as uh, a curse look at it that you're chosen and you know if you're if you're seeing these beings and so many people are writing to me that oh my god i saw that i saw the same three things when i was a child and i didn't know what to do with it and and i just say you're hang in there you're, you're doing fine and um but yeah she talks about that look at it that you are chosen that you're you know, being selected for what, you know, it's, it's gotta be good. What I saw was phenomenal. Uh, so yeah, I think we, I think we're here and we improve our vibration. We improve the quality of our choices. And at some point we get to go home. We get to move on. We get to break this cycle of rebirth. You know, that's right there. And Buddhism and all this. So anyway, that's pretty heavy, but 
Heavy, heavy. But what gave you that push, though? Like, I've got to talk about this now, because you're actively involved with IANS. And sounds like you're writing a book, and there's good things coming, and you're doing lots of interviews. And like, I know from so many people that I've talked to that have had NDEs, that feeling of wanting to be home, not wanting to be on Earth, you get this feeling of expansiveness. And next thing you know, you're back in the body, back in that hot closet. And there's real true grief there. And then plus, you know, some people believe in it, some people don't, you're back into life. And then but now you're open. What was that? That you just Oh, oh yeah. It was well, all doubt was removed uh, Mm -hmm. for me. Because I I, I drank ayahuasca a couple handful of times. And that was around 2013-2014. And I came to the conclusions, uh, you know, that's pretty, it can be pretty scary. And so I wasn't doing that. And a few years went by and I kept, you know, this went on for three or four years. I kept going to Costa Rica and hanging out in this village and going through their things. So, you know, there's a lot of power in, in silence. There's a lot of power in um, eye gazing, you know, when two people uh, look at each other in low light. And so I was there several times. And then there was just one particular uh, trip that there was this uh, eye gazing uh, thing that I signed up for. And it went on for three or four days. And there was like 60 people involved in, there was no talking. And you had these eye gazing sessions that lasted for like 10 minutes and then there'd be a break meditation. And then you kept changing partners and this went on for three days and they had all the mirrors in the place covered up. And we were, you know, we were given this high vibe diet of, you know, salads and fresh juices, all these light infused foods that really reconnect with home. And one night it's, the the first thing that happened was I started seeing this glow in the um, meditation hall, like uh, 300 people or something meditate every night for like an hour and a half. And all of a sudden this glow, it was like this purple blue light was coming from the floor and going up through the ceiling. And I'm just looking at it going, what's going on? Someone's playing with the lights. Is there what's this deal here? And then I talked to a few friends and I realized I'm the only one seeing this. Uh, And it was on a five second, you know, it'd be like, whoa, to go back down. I know this sounds ridiculous. And I think it's great. Keep talking. (laughs) And I, you know, years later I went and I saw this guy, um, Walter Crutendon, and he's with the um, ancient knowledge procession and ancient knowledge group. And I asked him, cause he talked about this gravitational waves that are coming from um, this uh, Orion's belt in the sky. And he said, uh, NASA is looking at it and it's a wave. It's a wave form. And I go, well, what's the frequency? And he goes, well, it's kind of this, whoa, <laughs> you know, like this. And I'm like, dude, I see, I can see that. And and I said, there's this purple and green, like rolling energy that's part of that signal or something. And he said, well, it's real. And it's, 
know, this isn't woo-woo. It's a, a real thing. They can track it. They have data on it on their site. And, you know, and then a lot of UFOers, they're all talking about uh, that same place in the sky. They call it Sirius or um, the, the Pleiades, a, sca- a star group called the Pleiades. And they all talk about the same thing. So there's something there. And I started, you know, some mystic thing was coming out in me. And I started seeing it that night and went on for a couple of nights. And then at the end of that eye gazing thing, it was, it was crazy. It was a low light and partners switched. And all of a sudden, the guy I was looking at, he was from Germany. And all of a sudden, his face just started rearranging. Parts were moving all over, like a um, Picasso, you know, out there. And I really think that Picasso paintings are telling us something about. And and I was like going, dude. And, you know, you're not supposed to talk. But and then it kind of stabilized. It was like it was it was like my perception was breaking through the illusion that we have here in the material world. Um, this illusion of that we're all separates and and we're all singles and we're all just this ego. But then his the faces started coming up on him and they'd stay for a couple seconds. And these were animated uh, people. They had expressions. Some of them looked startled that all of a sudden I was looking at them or I could see them. And, and some of them were talking like or super fast, like trying to tell tell me a story story um and some of them were very happy and it was like turning the pages of a book and watching all the people that had been associated with this soul you know that information is carried on the soul and it's there forever um and it 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 changed and i had several people came by and um there was this one girl and she was she was a young girl and she was very petite. I couldn't really see him because the lights were low, but the faces that came up were all very uh, powerful, like uh, warriors and chiefs, all male, um, like military type people. And I was looking at her going, I was going, this is unbelievable. And she goes, look, we're not supposed to talk, but you and I are going to talk. She said, because I have issues <laughs> and I could, I could see that, you know, here she was this in this life. She was this small uh, female and she had this long history of all these very powerful soul uh, previous lives that were all uh, masculine, you know, warrior types. And I could absolutely see that that was a, this life was a challenge for her. And, but I never, I didn't really see her real face. So I never, we never talked, but, uh, but I could identify about 25 other faces that clearly saw them. They looked right at me, blinked. And so, yeah, we carry all this information um, uh, uh, of our past lives. And, you know, if you think about that thing with uh, like Sybil, you know, all those personalities, she had a couple of dozen personalities come forward and she, the, the person that Sybil was, wasn't in control of the present life. You know, those, 
personalities were coming forward. Uh, you know, and she could switch between them. Have you ever seen that movie? Yeah, it was years ago. Years ago. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. true. We are so more, much more powerful than we know ourselves to be. And I think there's so much support that we have in the unseen world around us. And I do agree completely that there's things to explore and learn and remember who we are. And I like hearing your story because I, you know, as great as the experience was, I hope everyone can learn from great experiences like this to know the, to know the greater reality. You don't have to wish for, you know, an illness or something to, you know, get a glimpse at the other side, but just how loved and supported we are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, you can, if you quiet down and quiet yourself down and reconnect with, you know, creation, the, the earth, you know, with the uh, unprocessed food and fresh water. Nature. Nature. Yeah. If you reconnect that, it can, it can come flooding back. Um, everybody. Yeah. So that what was else, a. Yeah. What else do you want to say? we got about, we could probably go another 10 minutes if that works for you. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Okay. But I so don't want big... to cut you off. You've got good stories. The, the big push was that that night I went back, uh, you know, we were all sleeping outside. We're still in this group. And I looked up at the sky and I made a very clear uh, speech to the divine. And I was very, it was very obvious that uh, we are in this veiled reality. And, um, and there are thousands of beings watching us all the time, you know, rooting for us all the time, following us. And I just, you know, I kind of pictured in my mind those three guys I'd seen years before and a tall, wispy guy. And and I just, from my heart, I just said, guys, uh, what I have seen in the last couple of days, uh, I, you know, I had plans, but my calendar is clear. Whatever you need from me, I'm your man. And um, it, you just let me know. and. I meant it. I meant it with my entire soul. And then I had this thing happen with this, um, with the stars. And I was thinking to myself, what's going on now? This really powerful star like vision. And it was going through me. And I started this vibration thing. And a lot of things happened after that. And I was talking to the spiritual leader of that community. And he said, you need to uh become familiar with the term kundalini and pranic energy and he, he was very serious he, he said most people never understand what's going on and um so i did you know i did kundalini yoga and i read up and looked and there there's a point where when we accept the invitation where the other side says okay um that little seed of kundalini energy that's in our bottom of our spine it wakes up and it comes up through the chakras and it's it can be pretty physically devastating um because it's stretching your central nervous system it's opening it up so that you can feel and receive more information more energy from the other side and um, that's what's been going on with me and ever since that night, uh, I was like, you know, uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm on, I'm on your team. I work for you. And I started going to the IONS meetings in Santa Barbara. And when Barbara Bartolome came to me and I would sit with the group, the experiencer group, and I tell my story, people's mouths would drop open and I go, what? This is, and they're like, this is pretty extreme. And, uh, Barbara came and said, you need to tell your story to the group. And it's a big, you know, it's a big group. And I said, okay, I'll do it. And that's when, you know, and then, and then the phone just started ringing. Um, I traveled around and, and then the podcast thing started and now you don't have to travel. You just, don't you you love that? Yeah, yeah, I do love it. (laughs) I do love it. It's so, yeah, that's, that's a, that's my story. That's your story. That's your mission. And I am sure, well, you as well as myself and everyone stepping up to the mission are fully supported along the way. I don't think we get to see the big picture. We just get to see the next step. And if we don't take it, there's this little voice that just keeps nudging us in a certain direction. Oh, well, Bill, what else would you want to share? We've got in our group, our listeners and our viewers, we've got a lot of grieving folks who have a loved one who has transitioned. Um, Grief is devastating, of course, and they're just hoping and praying that their loved one's around and they're going to see him again. Um, And there's a purpose to all this suffering. You want to share just some last thoughts before we say, see you later, alligator? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um I'm glad you I'm glad you asked that. Uh yeah, there's a we talk about the near death experience and that is, you know, where the um pineal gland makes the DMT and it splashes the brain with the DMT and rockets the soul out of the body. And it drops a little on the brain each night and that's when we dream and soul travel. Uh we really are going home. Um it just becomes with the kundalini thing it becomes crystal clear it's it's as real as this side is for people like me and um so yeah that's the thing with our pineal gland and then the you know the ayahuasca people the dmt people they're mimicking that death experience with the dmt um but um the third group is the deep meditators uh, like edgar casey uh, he sit quietly and he could stimulate his pineal gland to, you know, he would start that blinking thing, that uh, REM sleep. And, you know, I get it right here. It's like a, it's like a vibration and you just go with it. You know, fear will shut it down, but you just go with it. And if you, it's like going to the gym and we're really cut off in these times, but it's like going to the gym. You do it enough you'll reconnect with uh, our ancient powers and what the ancients knew about how powerful we really are. And you, you can see those loved ones that have passed and they're on the other side and nobody ever died. I guess that's a good way to uh, end this because, you know, this is you, we don't die podcast. So yeah, it's true. Uh, Nobody ever died. We just dropped the earth suit, the avatar, and we slipped out of the physical and we've gone home to paradise, to euphoria. And they're right there on the other side. 
And if you quiet yourself, reconnect with nature and use some of those. Dolores Canyon is perfect. She's perfect. What she's talking about is this self-hypnosis, this deep meditation. Um, you don't need a DMT, you don't need an NDE, and you definitely don't need ayahuasca. You just need peace and quiet and let go. And like you said at the very beginning, it's through our emotions and through our feelings. And if we can pay attention to those, you know, sometimes the weirdest thoughts come into our mind or feelings of the past. And I 100% believe that's how our loved ones communicate. I believe however we communicate when we get to the other side, that as souls, we have that power. We just are tapped into it. We are locked into that ego, like you say, that makes us think we are real, but down to every atom that makes us up, we're just vis invisible energy and a grand illusion um, that's very real to us. But in the bigger picture, we are that star stuff. We are that vibrating energy. Yeah. Um, um, I think it was Graham, Graham Hancock and a few others. They said, if you really want to know what's going on in the universe, talk to the near-death experiencers, the shamanic healing medicine people, and the deep trance-like meditators. And that is a powerful suggestion from him. It's it's everything we just talked about. Yeah, um, We can all do it. We just forgot. That is so true. Well, Bill, thank you for being our guest today. My pleasure. Do you invite people to get in touch with you? Too soon sure. To get thousands of emails. <laughs> yeah, I do, but I, 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 re I return them. So, what's the best way people can get in touch with you? Bletson fifty six at gmail. Okay, we'll put that in the description. And yeah, people are great, and it's interesting because once you start telling your story, it gives people permission to tell their story as well. That's right. That, that's right. And that you know, people like us. Uh, we're not going to see the um, fruits of everything we're doing, but we're planting seeds and it's going to be centuries and centuries uh, and the world will be very different. Um, it's the way it I works. Know it be. I know it will be. Years ago, people thought the earth was flat. Now people laugh at that. People didn't think there could be planes flying in the sky. And now, yeah, right. around over a hundred years. So years from now, I do think we're going to be all tapping into that nature, knowing our loved ones are around. We hopefully will have some technology that everybody can uh, get in touch with our loved ones and trust that those feelings really are who we are. But until then, <laughs> we can work out a lot of stuff while we're here on Earth, paying attention to, I don't want to say the darker side of us, but kind of, I think everything negative that happens, we have the power to rise above, to learn, to grow, uh, to understand ourselves. And sometimes it's grief in those tough times that set us forth on that journey. But there are good things to come. But I also think there's a lot of good stuff here on earth. And I really like, I grew up Catholic as well. And I love how you talk about nature. So I think that's a good <laughs> little homework for everybody. Add in some nature. Well, 
Bill, thank you for being our guest and to our friends who were listening or watching today. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with Bill and myself today. You know, there's other places you can be and there you were listening to us. So we appreciate that. And we hope that we've made a difference. Also, our friends at IANDS.org, that's I-A-N-D-S dot O-R-G. That's the International Association for Near-Death Studies. Great people, great organization. There's so much you can explore on their website. You can read uh, near-death experiences. You can join one of the local clubs. You can um, donate and get all kinds of really great stuff included. They do all kinds of nice meetings and things. So do check out ians.org. And then also just a reminder, go to wedontdie.com. Lots going on. Our free Sunday gathering happens 2 p.m. New York time, 11 p.m. 11 a.m. Bill's time out in California there, Pacific and 7 p.m. UK time. They're all recorded. They're all very inspirational. And there's an opportunity that maybe your loved one will come through with the medium demonstration. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain, and I'm always so happy to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe that life is an education for the soul. And your life here on earth is important. You're so much more powerful than you know And uh, you've got the strength of warriors within you and probably around you. So I really want to thank you for listening or for watching. And we'll see you again soon.